Quick note, this is a non-sponsored show made by an almost entirely volunteer cast and crew, simply for the fun of it. Also, as a serial fiction podcast, you'll want to start from the beginning. Space Buster 2061 The Tales of Wild Billy Whitlow and His Alleged Deliverance of the Earth from Mortal Peril Disc 2, Something Else Matters Episode 3, Lays Against the Machine I can't hear it, so I don't, like I've got, I do have monitors built into this headset, but again I'm listening to the headset, I don't know. 13 minutes to read four lines seems more than sufficient. That's possibly the coolest thing I've ever seen. Briscoe, it's definitely the coolest thing you've ever seen. My dad won't let me play guitar. He says only Spaniards and gigolos play stringed instruments. My dad got it for me as a gift for us winning the contest. What's a gigolo? I don't know, but if they all have guitars like yours, I think I want to be one. We're going to be so cool. So freaking cool. No plane on the shuttle. Sorry, Mrs. Warner. Maybe she won't hear it if you do it quiet. Mr. Brisky, no encouraging Billy to play quietly either. Now, I need everyone's eyes and ears on me. Okay, now, let's all remember that this group was chosen to represent the Earth through the gift of music. Remember that this is a privilege, and most of those we meet will have never met a human before. We all need to be on our best behavior, and show our alien host that Earthlings are a proud but polite people and that we come in peace. Wouldn't we technically be the aliens? Well, yes, Lewis, I suppose that would be true. All that aside, if I see any of you misbehaving when we reach Bentok Prime, you will be removed from the performance, and I mean that. So, you think Jigglos can be in a band? Hell yeah, I want to play guitar too. You can't have two guitars. Why the hell not? It worked for Deathcock. Well, we need drums first, and a bass. But I want to play guitar. Yeah, but bass is just like guitar, except you'd get more chicks. Oh, okay. Wait. Hey Lucy, would you rather marry Billy if he had a guitar or a bass? Where are you, Briscoe? You know she's into you, right? Whatever, Mr. Brisky. You're gonna marry Geneva and have a million stupid, ugly babies. What? Why should I marry Geneva? You're gonna marry Geneva. It's obvious, because I'm the Harry, she's the Hermione, so that makes you the wrong. No way! I'm Harry, you're the wrong. You're the wrong! Shut up! So, what are we gonna call our band? How about, like, Axe Gods or Perpetual Slaughter or Wild Stallions? Ha! Got him right in the face. Lewis again. That guy's the worst. At least he's moving at the end of the semester. Actually, from what Miss Warner said, his family. For all their boys and girls, and teenagers, and young adults, and, God help me, aspiring space pilots. I'm Captain Benedict, and I'll be driving a space bus this evening. First, I'd like to congratulate you all on winning the International K-12 School Orchestra Marching Band Competition. Winning an IKSO is no small thing, and you should all be proud. Secondly, if at any point during the flight you need any help, 
any help at all, be it with your luggage, your refreshments, restroom breaks, or algebra, geography, anything at all, please ask your teacher, Miss Warner. Third and early, I would like to personally emphasize to you all the importance of what you're doing here. Jeez, are you gonna fly the shuttle or make speeches? Huh, right? To do something amazing. It's been, what, seven, eight years since that Whitlow fella from our dear own Kentucky first showed the world how to talk to aliens. Mm, and now, here you are. A, a show full of kids on the way to play music for who knows what kind of weird thing. You're gonna talk or fly the shuttle, bruh? Loose is the worst. Remember, it's moments like these, kids. They don't come by every day. Speaking of moments, I would recommend you lift the window covers now. Is this will be a good one. We're about to leave Earth's atmosphere, and that means the clearest view of the stars you'll ever see. In fact, I have it on good authority that the best place to see the stars is from the stars. He called this thing a space bus, but to me it looked a lot more like an 18-wheeler without the wheels. Yeah, when we first walked up, I told Geneva that looked like the one my grandpa used to drive to haul laundry detergent. Like you've been on nicer spaceships? Oh, look who decided to join the conversation. I thought you were just going to listen to podcasts the whole time. Yeah, well, it seems there's no signal outside the stratosphere. My episode cut out partway through whatever the captain was saying. Does anyone know how long until we get to Turla Station? Why, Geneva, you didn't read the flight plan. I'm shocked. Shocked! Shut up, nerd, and answer the question. Short answer, hours. The good news is that for in-flight movies, we've got Tremors 16, Melvin's Revenge, through Tremors 22, Graboids Take Manhattan. Which one is the one where Bert's ghost possesses a saber-toothed Graboid? Sorry, that's number 14, Time Tremors. Figures. All right, ladies and gents, we've got about four hours remaining before docking with the Turla station, where you'll have an overnight stay before boarding an Arcanet passenger ship, which will be escorting you to and from the Crystal Caverns of Benton Prime. I gotta admit, I'm jealous. In the meantime, I recommend you check out the ship's supply of movies ready for your enjoyment, selected by yours truly. If you'd like an in-flight meal, you'd need to wait a few more years until they start putting that stuff on these shuttles. For now, the bus is rolling. You just roll right along with it. I hate it when pilots try to make jokes. You can always tell they've practiced them and want to sound hip and cool. Hey, some of those weren't bad. I wouldn't be surprised if he thought of that in-flight meal gag in bed last night and then... What are they all looking at? Folks, sorry to jump in again, but off our port bow, that's front left for you land lovers, you'll see something pretty unusual. If I'm not mistaken, that's a cactus ship. I've never seen one in person, but from what I understand, they're... Uh, excuse me, Mom. He said kecked, right? They're like the giant-looking crad people, right? I always thought they looked more like some kind of upright beetle. In the pictures, at least. They're like Everyone a... Everyone in your seats, embrace for impact. Are they shooting at us? Briscoe? Hey, hey, Briscoe! Lily, I think he's unconscious. What's happening? What do we do? All emergency procedures have been activated. I'll attempt to evade enemy fire until assistance arrives. If you follow my instructions and take care of each other for a little longer, you will be alright. I promise. What are you doing? 
Frisco's bleeding, unless you've got some bandages. I figured this dress was too long anyway. I thought that was just a thing they did in movies. Not the time. Right. Sorry. Didn't he say he was going to dodge those? Ladies and gentlemen, it seems... It seems our options are limited. You'll be alright. I promise. What? What just happened? It sounded like the ship came apart. It can do that? I don't know. Wait, you're right. It's split apart. I can see it out my window. See what? It's the front part of our ship. It's moving away from us. Fast and right towards the other ship. He's he's steering right at. I think he's... Oh, good. I was beginning to wonder if I should wake you. You seem to be in some distress. Yeah, well, thanks for your concern. I... <clears throat> I see. Well, I believe our time spent planning last night was quite fruitful. While you rested, I finished drawing up a map and spoke to the city leaders. Everyone is nearly ready to enact the plan to kill the beast. Marie seems a decent fellow. I believe he will honor our agreement. I trust you rested enough to proceed? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't suppose they have anything like coffee here. Uh, a boiled root broth, which they call... <laughs> Though I'm afraid that I cannot provide any information on the taste as I lack a tongue. Mm-hmm. And when you did have one, what kind of body was it attached to exactly? Oh, that's hardly important. Our path to the beast lair, however, would be of utmost... I'm starting to think it is important. You really think I didn't notice some of the things you said when we were talking to Maurice last night? You're holding something back, Lakefoot. Even if I were, my personal history is of no concern to you. You see, that's where I'm not so sure. How do I know I can trust anything you- Ah, good morning. I relayed your plan as best I understand it to the rest of the village. The Arcanegs are quite excited, seeing as how we never managed to stop the beast before. You sure they can get my guitar working? This whole plan depends on that. Yet, you don't know when to shut up. They'll have it ready. Don't you worry about that. And we'll need them in position as soon as possible. If Lakefoot and I begin our part and they're not ready... Boy, we got this. All you gotta do is plug and play. Well then, it sounds as if we're ready to begin. Yep. Delta and Omnicrom teams will head back along the path we took to get here, making all the noise we can. You two cut through the woods, keep a low profile, and wait for our signal at your ship. Tony should be there waiting for you by now. I just need my guitar. Ah, and I believe you're about to get your wish. Wow. Is that a... a built-in amp? Cool. My word, you've certainly done an impressive job here. Borga. What have we got here? Uh-huh. 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 With a standard quarter-inch jack, right? Damn it. Inches work just as well in space as they do on Earth. Don't give me that. Gentlemen, if there's nothing else... Right, 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 right. Billy, just plug into the ship when the time comes. Tony's taking care of the rest. Dude, I know. It was my plan. Perhaps it's best we get going, Billy. I believe you're with me. Fine. Uh, thank you, Mr. Callahan. Good luck to you and your team. Uh, we'll be ready for your signal when the time comes. All right, Tanagra, let's move out!
best get going if we're going to be in position. It's a fine day. Hmm? Mm-hmm. The vegetation here is quite lovely. Hmm? These leafy plants along the path actually remind me of North American ferns. Wait a minute. Hold on. How could Lakefoot know so much about Earth's plants if he's an alien robot? Uh, you know, that was the longest I've gotten into a story before you interrupted me with a stupid question. It's nice to see you really do have a brain cell or two, but still shut up. I was just about to tell you why he knew so much about North American ferns. Can I continue? Yeah, I guess, but... Can't hear you telling a story. So, Lakefoot had just made his fern comment. These leafy plants along the path actually remind me of North American ferns. There, that's what I'm talking about. Hmm? How would you know anything about North American ferns? Oh, I, I, uh, I had the opportunity to visit Earth once, uh, and, uh... Wait! God damn it! Two interruptions within, like, ten seconds! But how could he have visited... One more. One more outburst from you today, and there won't be another word about Billy for a week. Got it? Good. So anyway, it turns out Billy also thought Lakefoot's explanation was bullshit. Bullshit? I beg your pardon? There was only seven years between the time my dad first spoke with Ripples and the time the shield went up. You're telling me that in that time, you, a cyborg, happened to visit Earth, spent your time studying American firms, and came out with a fake British accent? Well, I don't see how my accent has got anything to do with- Fine, I'm going limp. Uh, what? No, get up. Get up, we've got to get moving. Nuh-uh. Billy, no. Mr. Whitlow, this is quite childish. Need I remind you that not only are we a key part of its plan, but that without its successful completion, we cannot leave this planet. Don't care, I want answers. Spill it. Mr. Whitlow! Let me make one thing absolutely clear. I will make it off this planet, and I will rescue Chris, and I will not tolerate anything that stands in my way. Now, is that understood? Why? What? Why does Chris matter to you? You didn't care when Kenny vanished. You didn't care when Briscoe vanished. But you'll stop at nothing to rescue Chris. Why? There's no time for this. We must move. Then talk fast, because I'm not moving until you do. <sighs> Mr. Whitlow, this is completely counterproductive. Don't care. Gonna lay right here until you spill it. Might as well see what they did to Layla. My mind's made up and I'm staying right here. You're not gonna move me another light year. The whole plan's fucked and I won't adhere to Lakefoot's rules and dumb career. You might as well spill it, put the word in my ear. That's about the only way out of here. No lies, don't tell me lies, don't tell me lies. Even for a niner, this is infantile The petulant display of a scolded child Have you lost your mind or just in denial? Living like you're still just twelve meanwhile Our friends are waiting in another half mile The plan's about to fail cause you're juvenile Your ass, Billy, move your ass, just move your ass Lakefoot said a naughty word Without the truth I won't be spurred If ass is the only thing you heard That's what'll get kicked first, second, and third Lies then swears then threats occurred Without the facts I can't be stirred So now just tell me now, just tell me now 
is no time, the beast is near. He can wait for a thousand years. Everyone's waiting for a part of the plan. I'm just fine here in the sand. Must escape and rescue Chris. Without the truth, we're just doing this. No, won't get me gone, can't get me gone. Very well. Though I will need your word that once your questions are answered, we will proceed with this mission. I already said that I would. I'm serious. Some of what I'm about to say may be difficult for you. It may change some of your ideas, and I need to know that no matter what you learn here, we will finish our mission. Do we have a deal? You promised to answer all my questions honestly, and I promised to help you get off this planet and rescue Chris. Precisely. Deal. Out with it. I'll have to begin with a story about a man from Earth named Stuart. Okay. Stuart was a Navy pilot from upstate New York. While in the service, he met a woman named Anna. They fell in love, had a daughter, whom they named Sophia Christine Benedict. Wait a minute. When Sophia was three years old, Anna died of a heart condition. For a time, Stuart fell apart. It was only his love for his daughter that pulled him back. She was a gifted child, a musical prodigy. Eventually, Stu took on the role of shuttle pilot carrying passengers to the newly built Turla station orbiting Earth. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It sounds like you're talking about... Please, there's more you must know. When she's not in school, Stuart would bring his daughter along on his trips. One day, in 2049, Stu was offered the opportunity to pilot the shuttle for a very special group of children who had just won a planet-wide contest to represent Earth at a youth music concert at the Crystal Caverns in Bendok Prime. He pulled some strings and managed to get young Sophia on board with him. On board? Lakefoot. Billy, please. Yes. He brought his daughter on board and kept her quietly in the cockpit. The plan was to dock the shuttle at Turla Station, call in some fake repairs, and hitch a ride with the Arcanids to see the concert while the shuttle was being inspected. I uh, think I know what comes next. Yes, some of it. What? When the Kect attacked the shuttle, there was little time for Stu to make a plan. He had promised his passengers that he'd take care of them, and in one brief moment, Stu had a choice to make. His choice... Whether good or ill was to save those children at any cost, even if it meant his life and Sophie's. Yeah, the bus driver saved us all. I saw it myself. But why are you telling me this? I was there. Because that, that isn't the end of the story. What do you mean exactly? Captain Benedict survived the impact with the keck ship. As did Sophie. What? I'm sure you're aware that the captain disabled the Keck ship by crashing the drive portion of your shuttle directly into it after disengaging the passenger section. After the impact, his injuries were severe. He was dying. Sophie was also injured, but not critically so. It was actually the Keck who pulled them from the rubble, put Sophie in a stasis chamber, and gradually rebuilt Stuart's body. Their knowledge of human anatomy was minimal, so their solution was to essentially remove his brain and place it in a cybernetic body. Please allow me to properly introduce myself, Mr. Whitlow. I'm Captain Stuart Benedict, at your service. You're the fucking bus driver? Please, there's no need for such language. 
Yes, the fuck there fucking is. Very well, then. I suppose you might as well get it all out now. Wait, Sophia Christine? Yes, Chris is my daughter. But why, why any of this? Why hide your identity for 12 years? Why did you try so hard to keep it from me and the rest of the 49ers? When the Kecht activated me, I had not yet learned to move or communicate. Only stare at my daughter across the room. In some sort of coma with Kecht technology wired to her skull, I spent months conscious but barely able to move or interact with my environment in any way and locked in a state of frozen helplessness. As I gradually gained my strength and control, I kept most of my progress hidden from my Kecht captors. Over time, I was able to learn their routines, and they kept very rigid patterns and will spend as much time as possible in stasis. Look, man, I appreciate the backstory, but I've got some damn big questions. And this is how I will answer them. To understand my choices, you must understand the situation. It is only recently that I believe that I've begun to understand the Kecht motives, both in keeping us alive and the situation in which we currently find ourselves. I'm sorry. I'm listening. Then... Will you get off the ground? That wasn't the deal. Continue. Once I was certain I had a reasonable plan and adequate motor control, I was able to escape with Sophie while the Kecht were hibernating. My time spent sleeplessly watching them had been invaluable for learning the operations of the ship's controls, and I was able to disable a few key systems before getting the two of us on board an escape pod. It took Sophie another 12 hours to wake up, and she was so weak she could barely speak or move. That's... incredible. Once clear of the cat, we sent out a distress call. In time, we were picked up by a blue freighter, and it did eventually make its way back to Proxima Station. By that point, it had been nearly two years since the attack, and while I was aware of every moment, my dear girl had been unconscious for almost the entire time. I made some inquiries around Proxima, and eventually learned what had become of you and your group. They told me that Turles Station had been nearly destroyed in that initial attack, and all you children had been brought there to Proxima. Uh, your teacher, Mrs. Warner, as I recall, uh, was still living at the time and was doing her best to comfort all of you and help you adjust to this new life. Yeah, I remember her well. We tried to do our best to help her, but she was diabetic, and without doctors and medicine from Earth... A good woman, doing her best in a difficult situation. Still, she managed to keep all of you healthy and safe, for a time. You still haven't answered my question. Why didn't you tell us who you were right then? Put simply... To protect my daughter. I don't follow. We never knew why they pulled us from the wreckage. We never knew why they kept us alive for so long or what they were doing to Sophie. Most importantly, we never knew if they'd come back. You, the 49ers, made up nearly all of remaining humanity outside the shield, and if the Kecht were going to aim their missiles somewhere, you were the biggest target. I wanted her as far as possible from that target. That's a little cold. It's the truth. There was nothing, nothing at all in the universe that would have made me put her back in that situation. We had no choice but to move from place to place and keep as low a profile as possible. For 
small human child and a walking brain in a jar. We used to comfort each other with something Sophie had said while on the shuttle just before the attack. The best place to see the stars. Is from the stars. I remember. Do you? That's quite, it's quite touching. Actually, it's the phrase Sophie coined the first time we left Earth's atmosphere. Anyway, once we knew what had happened to you, you all, we, we hid. We took new names and avoided Earth as much as possible. You keep saying we, but I get the vibe that Chris, that Sophie may not have been very happy about it at all. <sighs> yes, I think that's true. That's why she hates you, Billy, or seems to. You're not just a 49er. You're the closest thing they have to a leader. No, I... It's true. I saw it myself at your friend's party, but Sophie, she's known about you since the first trip to Proxima. She was small when we left Earth. It doesn't mean much to her, but you 49ers. As a child, after we escaped the Kect, she used to imagine she was one of you. Played with dolls and gave them all your names. But she is one of us. If she was there on that shuttle, she is one of us. There was a time that it would have been a great relief to her to hear that. Now, I'm afraid it may be too late. I, I can't even imagine. As a father, I've kept her alive, but I fear it hasn't been much of a life. If I may, Mr. Whitlow, I have a question for you as well. I suppose that's fair. Shoot. I have also noticed some unusual reactions from you in several conversations, and I'm curious about something. What precisely are you holding back about Earth's shield? Oh, right. Well, uh, so you know my dad was the guy who first made contact with the aliens, with the Ripples? Yes, of course, the famous William Whitlow Sr. Okay, so when I was a kid, I'd often hang out in the garage with him and the Ripples while they were exchanging information. Um, shit? Shit indeed, Mr. Whitlow. Space Busker 2061, Episode 6. Written by Nat Roth, Josh Price, and Palm Seri. This episode's actors include Henry May as young Briscoe, Rosie May as young Geneva, Connor Montano as young Billy, Julia Maseri as Mrs. Warner, Anthony Maseri as young Lewis, and Andrea Maseri as Lucy. Dylan Krull was our Billy, and our dear Jay Moses played both Lakefoot and Captain Stuart Benedict, the bus driver. Paul Maseri was our beast, Anthony Morantz kindly returned as Maurice, and of course, Nat Roth and Landon Lowe as Tom and Trevor. Guy James was back on guitar, with sound and editing by Josh Price, mastering by Cedric Yee. On the next very special episode of Space Busker 2061. Five years, I have lived with this thing that is so unbelievable that the only people I can tell are my parents. When I tell them, they disown me. I don't even know the name of whatever it was that impregnated me. I think one of you space guys, or whatever it is you are, could have dropped me a note or something. You know, just to let me know that I'm not crazy. That this thing really did happen? Oh, no, that would be too much. You're probably too busy off saving the universe, right? Do you ever think about what I'm going through?